Welcome, listeners, to Experiments vs. Experience here on www.ironradio.org. Experiments vs. Experience is published as a special feature of the ironradio.org feed on iTunes and Podcast Alley about once a month. This is the show where a scientist, practical information and some uh, science, and a powerlifter, well, the problem is a majority of the stuff out there is likely fake. And sometimes some guests, a doctor, student, and exercise phys, tackle tough questions sent in by listeners. It's the show that was created because science doesn't always agree with what athletes insist they know. Okay, welcome to another issue of Experiments versus Experience. I am Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, folks, this is Robert Fortress Fortney, former editor at Muscle Man International, former competitive uh, bodybuilder, and uh, strength trainer and powerlifter. Sweet. Today we're going to come at you with a new reader question. Uh, we haven't got around to one of these in a while because we've been doing travel logs and things like that. Uh, but this is basically about who's elite. One of the hardest questions I think that that we've gotten probably is, you know, how good is competitive? How big do I have to be to compete in bodybuilding? Um, and we'll probably do a follow-up show with powerlifting as well, you know, how strong do I have to be? You know, what's a respectable squat or bench or deadlift, something like that. But for our purposes today, it's about muscle size. And I'm going to start off a little bit here with um, some hard science from national averages. This is from the United States, but as far as uh, muscle mass or, you know, how big, let's say, should your arms be? And I'm going to actually use arm data because. A bodybuilder's arms are usually one of the most dramatic things that set them apart. I mean, uh, legs, sure, back, sure, there's lots of other things, but arms are fairly easily measured, and they do change quite a bit more than certain other things. I mean, if you think about it, your legs are sort of anti-gravity muscles, they're called. They resist gravity all day long, and there's no doubt they'll hypertrophy, but arms are, are more dramatic. And if you look at some of these numbers, it's actually a little surprising um, about you know what's an, a 95th percentile you know uh, versus five fifth percentile something like that. So let me start with that. First of all, uh, if you look at uh, midarm muscle area, and the way that scientists get this is they they basically take a tape measure to your upper arm, and then they'll also use a tricep skinfold pinch and multiply it by pi, 3.14, to make a circle. So they get the idea of, you know, this is arm girth corrected for the fat that's surrounding it. And if you look at, first of all, the tricep skin fold thickness, the fatness of the arm, um, an average skin fold pinch back there is usually about 12 or 13 millimeters. So if you ever have your skin folds done and you look at your triceps, 50% of the people, you know, the, most of the people, right, in the average, 12 to 13 millimeters. About as lean as it goes, if you're in the 95th percentile for leanness, or in other words, if you're in the 5th percentile for total fat amount, right, so very little fat on your triceps, you still have about 5 millimeters. And the reason I'm talking about this 5 to 13 millimeter skin fold pinch is because of course, we have to subtract that from total girth. If you look at just the mid-arm girth, which is taken about halfway between the, uh, the tip of your elbow and the AC joint at the sort of top of your shoulder, uh, 
this table only goes up to a 15-inch arm size, and that's for hanging relaxed. That's, that's not like a flexed arm or something like that. But anyway, you can use a little uh, nomogram or this little sort of uh, analog-type calculator on a, on a page, and you can quickly figure out how a very lean arm with a lot of size, you know, what's big? So if you are actually... If you are one of the leanest arms, you just got that little five millimeter pinch, and you have a lot of muscle mass. If you're in the 95th percentile for mid-arm muscle area, if we know those two things, we can figure out arm girth. And it comes out to only 13.6 inches. Now imagine that. That's, that's a 13.6 inch arm. That's, that's somebody who's in the 95th percentile for muscle size. So of the next 100 people you meet, you've got more meat on your upper arm than 95 of them, and with a very lean 5-millimeter pinch. Now, not everybody's arms are that ripped, so let's say we go with the average. I thought I'd calculate it this way, too. If you've got a 12 or 13-millimeter skinfold pinch on the back of your arm, and you've still got this 95th percentile for meat you know, on um, your mid-arm muscle area, that only equates to about a 14.8 or 15-inch hanging arm. My so, God. So, and now, this is very interesting because these are average people, right? These aren't lifters, but we're talking about the buffest you get from the general population. So between 13 and a half, maybe up to almost 15, not quite 15-inch arm. And I agree, Rob. I'm thinking, Christ. Now, actually, you can also find data... Um, and I'm taking, first of all, that first date I was looking at, was, it's from the Neiman book. Um, David Neiman does this great nutrition assessment book, and it's sort of a review. Um, the other book that I'm using here, and these are all referencing primary literature, actual studies, but it's the, it's the McArdle Catch and Catch Sports Nutrition book, which is almost an industry standard. But they actually went and looked at bodybuilders. And here's a, this is a group of 27-year-old men. There's only 18 of them. But these data are, fall in line very much with the average uh, people. Again, 95th percentile, you know, certain, way near the high end. But they looked at their biceps flexed and relaxed. And a relaxed biceps amongst these quote-unquote bodybuilders that these guys studied was 14.2 inches. And the flexed arm was 16 inches. Yeah. So, you know, this I'm sure is in contrast to some of the stuff, Rob, that you've seen among competitors when people are starting to, you know, use gas and stuff like that. Well, certainly. I mean, it's funny to me that a lot of people, um, I think it's because so few people are, are um, have... Um, you know, I've been exposed to, you know, what truly is a large muscular arm from, from weight training or bodybuilding standpoint that they start assuming that anybody who has a really large arm, oh, my God, that must be a 24-inch arm. I mean, I have people saying that to me, oh, how big are your arms, 22 inches? And they don't seem to understand that that's just colossal. I mean, based on everything that you're saying right now, it doesn't surprise me at all then that the general populace would look at somebody who has a relatively lean arm and a relatively muscular arm and automatically think something like that when when the average above average is, is you know, like you say, 14 or 15 inches. So, I mean, yeah, if you have an arm that's 16, 17, or, you know, 18 or 19 inches, I mean, that's just, just colossal to the average person. Um, so, you know, it might, I mean, when you look at guys, the, the, the best of the best in bodybuilding, and they're, you know, stretching the tape over 20 inches, um, 
I mean, that's just that's just almost freakish. It is freakish. Well, it's way beyond the average person. Like you said, the general populace, I don't think they have a frame of reference, right? I mean, they see an arm. I remember back when I was in college, this guy came up. He goes, dude, you know, how much do you weigh, like 240? I said, no, I weigh 195. You know, I mean, he had no idea. Like you said, he saw a muscular arm and just couldn't get his head around that. You know, and at the time, I might have had 18 and a half inch arms or something. I don't know. Um, just to play with these numbers, I went upstairs and I grabbed a skinfold uh, caliper. Had my wife help me, and I, I just looked. And even right now, as a as a about a forty year old guy, uh, I have a I only have about a fifteen, a little over a fifteen inch hanging arm. And I was surprised I had a twelve inch, um, or sorry, twelve millimeter skinfold pinch. But that still puts me, you know, on the absolute upper edge of of these scales. And I by no means look like uh, you know a regional level competitive bodybuilder right now. So it's funny to see these numbers. So I guess if, to partly answer this question, uh, guys, if you are, uh, if you're wanting to compete and if you look at the data, your hanging arm better be lean and be a good 14 to 15 inches. That puts you in the unusual, well, extremely unusual upper echelons of the general populace but it only puts you about on par with sort of natural bodybuilders. So 14 to 16 inch arm, depending if you're, it's hanging or flexed. So those are some solid numbers, at least, that you could kind of get your head around. I should also point out that the bodybuilders that were studied in this one um, investigation in the Catch and McArdle book, they were 9% fat dudes. So they, they weren't super ripped. Um, and you know, so that's not why their arm was a little bit smaller. By the way, they had 23.6 inch thighs in that bodybuilder study, and that's almost a 24 inch thigh. That's not too bad, I guess. Um, you know, it's interesting because even a guy like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, he, you know, everybody, you know, known for his arms, blah blah blah. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, in in competition shape, I've heard that his arms were under 20 inches. Um, now, of course, you know, in relative terms, his triceps were always considered, you know, a quote-unquote weak part. Um, but, I mean, if you still consider that, how large his arms were, I mean, if you take him in the off-season, probably was stretching over 20, 21 inches. I mean, that's a gigantic arm. Um, you know, I can only imagine what the general populace would think of seeing our, a legit muscular arm of that size, because, I mean, you know, you and me, Lonnie, have been around the industry for so long, and, you know, I mean, I, I've still encountered arms... Um, that kind of made me do double takes. I mean, I think the largest arm I've ever seen in my life, as far as just girl size, is probably uh, the late Paul DeMeo, who was uh, for a short time a professional bodybuilder, won the uh, NBC Nationals, I think in 95 it was, or something like that. Um, his arm, I mean, when I saw his arm in purpose shortly, uh, in, in person shortly after he, he actually collected his pro card, I mean, it was... Like I say, it'll probably go on as my probably the biggest arm I've ever seen girth-wise, and I, I think a majority of that was probably just because his triceps was so gigantic. But his arm, I think we taped it that day at just over 22 inches, and that is, I mean, like you say, that's that's pushing, you know, thigh size for for most average people, yeah, so or muscular people even. So, well, I want to point out one other thing too about this this study here. These obviously natural bodybuilders in this study and there again there's only like 18 guys here obviously this isn't the hundreds or thousands of people like in the studies on the general population but they had 32 inch waist as well so you know pretty average sized guys just probably muscular now all- i think it's worth pointing out too that um 
I think that what separates bodybuilders from a lot of other strength athletes as far as just kind of the, certainly aesthetic, um, you know, of the, just the arm when you just look at them and kind of how it is, is the fact like what you're saying about like waist size and, you know, uh, skeletal size and all that type of thing. I mean, you can get a power lifter who's easily has, has arms, you know, hover around 20 inches or above if, you know, they're 320, 350 pounds or so forth. And, but, you know, the thickness and density of their, of their torso and their limbs and around their joints and that kind of diminishes the overall impact of the specifics of just their arm or something like that. Whereas, I mean, some of the freakish guys in, in bodybuilding who are known for their arms are sometimes the guys who, again, have kind of more thin, thin frames, right, yeah. um, you know, and thin joints and so forth. Guys like Flux Wheeler and so forth, where, you know, the, the, the volume of their, of their musculature, their biceps or so forth, kind of just overwhelms at those joints. So it kind of just gives the illusion of just being that much more freaky. I like mean, a when you see a guy who's... Like you say, um, the general populace might look at him and say, oh, he must be 275 pounds. And, you know, he's like Flux Wheeler, 215, 220 pounds, but he's got a, you know, 21, 22 inch arm yep. on what is essentially a, a smallish frame. I mean, that, that, that illusion is just, well, it's very comic book like. Yeah. I think it's the shape and the muscularity, too. I was actually talking with my wife the other day about what muscularity really means. I mean, it's not ripped. And it's not big. It's sort of a combination of big. Absolutely. And I mean, just the other day, I was just actually talking. Somebody came in uh, to the gym I was at, and somebody I was talking with was saying, oh, you know, muscle man and all this stuff. And I said, well, you know, the, the truth of the matter is he was very, this guy was very muscular, but he was not, he didn't have essentially much mass. And it took me about five or ten minutes to kind of explain to this person exactly what you just said. And I think what you, how you just said it is kind of a, the best way I've ever heard it described. It's kind of that midpoint between... Yeah, not being completely defined or ripped, and also not in the mass, but kind of in the in between there. Yeah, because you can have a guy who's very muscular but has essentially no mass. Right, and you know, and I agree with what you were saying too about some of the thinner guys. And it's, it sounds funny to call Flex Wheeler in his prime thin because he looked like a, you know, comic book superhero. But you know, Frank Zane, a lot of the guys who are even smaller and a little bit closer toward normal size. I mean, I don't know what you think Frank Zane's arms were, but they sure weren't 20 inch guns, you know, even when he was but winning. Probably, the I think they were probably, I would say on stage between 17 and 18 and a half, probably. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yep. I think he probably competed at about 100, between 185 and 195 pounds, probably. So a lot of this depends on frame size and stuff. I've often thought that ectomorphs, and I'm not condoning the use of steroids or gas, but it's the ectomorphic guys who blow up on anabolics that sometimes look the most dramatic because they have little joints. You know, they look like balloon animals. I mean, Flex Wheeler is probably the extreme case of that, you know. Uh, well, but, I mean, but, you but it's apples and oranges. Like Paul Dillette. I mean, here's a perfect example of a guy who, you know, when he's not engaging quote-unquote, um, just looks like an average guy. I mean, when you look at young pictures of him and stuff, I mean, he was a muscular guy, you know, but he's certainly nothing that way. I mean, and just the response is just dramatic uh, to the point where, like you say, he just becomes a, a cartoon character. Yeah. I, I think part of my impetus for uh, for really tackling this particular listener question is because a lot of times you go to natural bodybuilding shows and they're more like dieting shows as opposed to bodybuilding shows. You know, it becomes like a big ab contest in a sense. So I just want to give people some numbers and some sort of professional opinions about, you know, what a national caliber or a professional bodybuilder would look like versus what's, you know, basically what's big. 
Um, I want to add one thing here quickly about gross numbers. It says, uh, this is an interesting little section in the Catch and McCardle Exercise Fizz book. It says, does fat-free body mass have an upper limit in athletes? And they talk about sumo wrestlers and they talk about professional football players like defensive linemen and things like that. And they were at basically conjecturing that the upper limit by calculation, they're a 20% fat guy uh, who's truly huge, 160 kilos, uh, would have 127 kilograms of fat-free mass. So again, that's not just muscle mass. That's water, bone, muscle. Uh, and they were actually looking at some people here. It says, to gain more insight in- into the question, we reviewed over 20 years body of body composition data from our lab. 16 athletes over 20 years actually exceeded 100 kilograms. You know, that's you know 220 pounds just of fat-free mass. The top five athletes being... Uh, between 105 and 114 kilos of fat-free mass. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was in, actually some of that was from an old 1970s paper by Fahey, Thomas Fahey. Uh, so this is not necessarily new stuff, but I think it'd be very cool to actually get some pro bodybuilders and even pro football players now into an MRI unit because I really think they're sort of undocumented territory when it comes to muscle mass because I bet some of those guys do have more than 210 or 220 pounds of, of fat-free mass now, you know. Right, yeah. Um, to what you were saying earlier about, what, you know, what is elite, I mean, uh, as you were also saying, I mean, it, it it's clearly defined by what level you're discussing as far as the bodybuilding competitor and so forth, because you and I know but that what wins a regional is, is a long way away from being a Ronnie Coleman. Um depends how you're, you know, again, what level of competition you're going. But, I mean, in the contemporary sense, you know, 2010 and so forth, certainly guys who are, re- you know, regional even now in, you know, uh, the United States and so forth, I mean, they're they're approaching levels of size that was what was the, the upper echelon in, in the IFBB pro division even as recently as 12, 15 years ago. Um, so I think it's not unusual anymore to be in a gym, um, a relatively hardcore gym in some place like the United States and see a guy who has a reasonably muscular 18, 19, even 20 inch arm. You do see that, um, probably a lot more, obviously a lot more than you used to, but I mean, what is elite for, for muscle size? Well, I think at this point, if you're talking about professional bodybuilding, um, I, I, you know, like the IFBB or something like that, I mean, I think you'd have to be looking at a guy's arm who's certainly, if he's an average size man, average height, that sort of thing, you'd have to be looking at certainly certainly 18 or 19 plus, I think. Do you agree? Oh, even more. I would think even tw- a 20-inch arm is probably standard for like a 5'10 guy. Like you're talking about a pro, right? Yeah, yeah. I bet, yeah, because technology, you know, the, the drugs, it's not just anabolic steroids anymore. With all the growth factors and the you know, androgen receptor modulators and all that kinds of stuff. I, I really think they're, they've probably got closer to 20. Yeah. No, I would agree. I would agree. Just crazy big. But you, and you make a good point that that doesn't mean that regional guys all look like that. You know what I mean? And again, when we talk about regional um, open competitions, you know, these are not tested competitions. So a lot of the differences in size have to do with the access that the individual has to the different, you know, pharmaceutical technologies, if you will. 
Um, and, you know, and it has to be said that, you know, I mean, I've been thinking about a lot this lately. I mean, you're talking about, you know, natural bodybuilding competitions, and you've always referred to them sometimes as, you know, ab shows and so forth. Um, it really is, because when you really think in the competitive sense, what, you know, what is judged in a bodybuilding competition, it, it really does kind of, the factors really do contradict one another. I mean, the body's tendency, of course, is to gain fat with muscle, lose muscle with fat. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and without the presence of a lot of chemicals and hormones and cutting drugs and so forth, I mean, it's very difficult to um, build and maintain a huge amount of muscle and then, you know, carve that down to a very small percentage of body fat. I mean, those are th- those are very contradicting things, and certainly for a natural athlete, that's very difficult. So, um, yep. you see this, you know, elite level size. I mean, you're almost you're almost exclusively talking about people who are indulging in in pharmaceuticals. Well, let's let's look at the flip side though, because there are natural competitions. How big do you think a guy can be? Uh, let's say an average size guy, like five ten, maybe five nine, five ten. Uh, maybe I think that's average because that's sort of me, and I, I'm probably on the short side. But how big, like lean body weight? Let's say like a ten percent ish. Dude, you know, hovering around upper single digits. How heavy do you think is possible, natural? Legitimately natural. Um, I don't think you'd find anybody, even the, a genetic freak, that would probably be able to go much above, maybe be somewhere between 195 and 215. Yeah, that's a pretty big range, but I, I agree. I mean, I would have thought even less. I would have thought roughly 200 is probably the upper end of fairly lean and big, you know. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you're talking about a guy who is legitimately natural and he's on stage at what could be considered, a, you know, a, a, a reasonable amount of being ripped without any sort of pharmaceutical help and that height, I would say, yeah, you're, you'd be lucky to be, you know, probably 185, 190. Yeah. Um, like I said, pushing 200 pounds if if you really have a lot of you know tie you know experience under your belt and and really great genetics for sure. So that's light heavyweight basically because yeah. that's what one one seventy six up to one ninety eight or something. So probably. I mean, when you get these guys who say they're completely natural and they're like yeah five ten, they walk on stage at like two hundred thirty five pounds, and me and there's a lot of guys who claim that I, I, I that's just not that's not feasible. Right. It's just not feasible. Um. You know, and these things transfer over to powerlifting and so forth. As far as the lifts is concerned, we can talk about that. Obviously, when we do talk about on a follow-up show about the, you know, what is leading powerlifting and strength training. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of guys out there who are who are telling lots of lies, man. Yeah, and unfortunately, in bodybuilding, we don't have the sort of ranking system that powerlifting sort of enjoys. That quantitation of you know what's elite versus like a class one, two, three, four, or however that's done. You know, so. Right, right. You don't you don't have that. Like, you know, at at five ten, hundred and ninety pounds on stage is elite, you know. We, there's just not that kind of quantitation. And part of it's because like we said, it has to do with muscularity, muscle shape. I mean, some people can have very dramatic peak on their biceps or striated thighs or things that just create that illusion and of course bodybuilding's a lot about illusion. Of course. I mean you get guys who are known for their biceps and you know, in the overall sense, their their arm girth measurement is much less than guys who aren't known for their arms, but because again, of the present, you know, the presentation of how their 
you know, frame is and, and, you know, how they develop muscle and the, you know, the thickness through their torso and all that, that it, it just diminishes the overall impact of just the specific biceps or arm itself. Um, you and I both know lots of guys who are in the gym who, you know, who, who kind of are much more dramatic with arm size. I mean, as far as walking by and, you know, the average layperson might be able to how big he is when you might outweigh the guy by 50 pounds. Right. Arm is actually much bigger than his. So, yeah, it, it it really comes down to how your frame is and, and and how you build muscle, really how you develop muscle. I mean, there's certainly a difference between uh, you know a, a powerlifter's muscularity and bodybuilder's muscularity. Um, yeah. So, and it's worth pointing out, you know, I, powerlifters have arms that are gigantic, but they just don't have that dramatic appeal. Yeah, I do want to point out too, though. I mean, pharmaceuticals aside, nutrition and training has made some progress. I mean, if you look at guys that used to, like, play basketball in the 70s, their physiques are a joke compared to the guys now. Now, I'm not saying that a lot of the guys now aren't using gas. I think people are naive, and a lot of professional athletes do use different drugs uh, to get in shape. But you can see a general increase in muscularity, I think, almost across the board in athletes now compared to 30 years ago. I mean, some of that old footage from the 70s is almost laughable, you know, the way those guys looked. But it's only going to take you so far, and there's still probably these sort of uh, limits. So, just to- also you have to remember also that that just the the um, likelihood that an athlete that isn't a specific bodybuilder or strength trainer doing some sort of weight training is through the roof compared to how it was in the '70s when when anybody who wasn't engaged in a specific muscle or strength you know field. I mean, it was almost um, you know the coaches would almost uh, yeah. What am I looking for? Um, chastise the athlete for even lifting weights. Right. No, that's a great point. Because strength training, when you talk about a strength-trained athlete, that doesn't narrow it down anymore. All sports have resistance training as part. I mean, that's what strength coaching, the whole profession, kind of is, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I think we're, we've answered this question. This isn't so much a debate, I guess, about yes or no. Uh, it's hard to make this experiments versus experience because uh, – Again, we're talking about population data versus uh, bodybuilder-specific stuff. And like I said, I only found one small study. And it's, it's, it's good to basically talk to Rob, who's been around so many pro bodybuilders and what they're like versus regional guys and, and whatnot. But um, I think to answer this question, am I competitive? You know, who's elite? Well, 20-inch arm or, or bigger, you know, with, with maybe a 30, 32-inch waist. I mean, that's crazy talk though for a uh, natural athlete so for a, a clean athlete for an, a, a natural athlete we're talking about probably you know not being too serious about competing unless you have at least a 14 to 16 inch upper arm um, there's lots of visual illusion that goes with that of course yeah absolutely um, and uh and so there you go i mean uh like i said a, a 23 24 inch thigh uh, you know, when you're fairly lean, those are reasonable markers, I think, and probably peaking out in the light heavyweight class. I would think most guys who are kind of starting out at, again, average height, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, they should probably be looking for middleweight. Um, generally, guys who compete in lightweight are going to be shorter, so something to think about. I don't know what any thoughts you have about that, Rob. But um, Yeah, obviously, as, I mean, as far as muscle size and girth and, and body weight and so forth. I mean, if you are choosing to go the natural route, I mean, you're, 
you know, what the weight classes you're going to be be realistically aiming for are going to be <laughs> much smaller. Yeah. Than, you know, you're not going to get a guy who's you know five foot six competing in the light heavies. You know, if, if he's if he's a natural competitor. Exactly. In fact, I ran into that when I competed in regional shows. Here's me, uh, you know, in the light heavyweight class, feeling pretty good about that at you know five nine ish. And you know, there's dudes five six. I'm like, oh come on, you know. No, here, here's something just before we go here that I just thought of. You know, MMA, UFC, all that stuff is so popular right now. And you look at that, and you look at the guys who are competing in the one like hundred at 155 pounds. You know, they're five nine, five ten, 155 pounds, 165 pounds. These guys, when the camera is just looking at them, they look like they could be like 220 pounds. And then you see the stats, and you know, five foot seven, mm-hmm. now one hundred and fifty six pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, and their arms look extremely muscular. It's a good point because, and I bet if you actually, you know, threw a tape measure over their upper arm, I'm, I'm sure these guys would come out like you say, fourteen, fifteen inches. But yep. just looking at them, even a guy like me looks at them and says, "Oh man, he looks like he has a large arm." But you know, it's is from a, from an elite standpoint of muscular size. Not even close. You know, they say that the TV camera puts 20 pounds on you or something. I think it's worth pointing out, too, that even bodybuilding videos, they make those guys look enormous. Or someone like, I remember Mike, Mike Francois walked past me once at a contest, and he was the biggest dude I'd ever seen at that point. He was a mountain. And you don't get the full impact from a still photo. So it is. that's a good point, that video, whether it's TV or like if you ever watch a bodybuilding video, it does make you look bigger. Uh, there's almost no question. I did speak with John Mike just the other day about this, and I know he had some similar thoughts on presentation. Let's listen. I would say that for bodybuilding, in order to be competitive, especially if you're a top-level amateur or a pro, are the times that you have to get up on stage and you have to pose in front of the audience and you know, to a panel of, of judges. One of the things to keep in mind is to really go more with your strengths. Um, most individuals do this anyway, but things to keep in mind, like for example, could be glute, you know, glute hamstring tie-in, uh, lat spread, front double bicep, you know, side chest pose. And limiting exposure of your weaknesses, because you don't want to expose too many of your weaknesses, even though you know everyone has their own weaknesses or what they perceive to be their weakness. If you expose too many of your weaknesses, you become vulnerable, and that vulnerability is seen through the eyes of your competitors and the judges, and others can start to use that to their advantage. And even the way you're photographed. I mean, you know, if, if they're using these, like, black and white can do that. Lighting, obviously, is huge in bodybuilding. I mean, it could be almost everything, so... Yeah, color of the background. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, all these things have to be taken into consideration. Okay, so there you have it. Uh, we'll... Sign off saying, listen, if you're going to compete, try to actually at least have some uh, focus on size. You know, make it bodybuilding. Uh, Rob, I know you've seen, just like I have, guys that show up in local competitions, and I'm not sure what they're thinking. (laughs) You know, but I'm I'm trying not to be nasty here, but I mean, damn. You know, I mean, they show up and they're they're like, I don't know, 12 or 15% fat. They have a 12 or 13 inch arm and you know they're oiled up in speedos and you're like okay let's do what we can to make sure that uh natural bodybuilders novice bodybuilders they actually know better than to do that 
Absolutely. <laughs> so there you have it. Uh, put on some size. Uh, think about middleweight, probably light heavy at the very most if you're genetically gifted, and uh, that makes you competitive. So signing off, this is Lonnie Lowry. And Robert Fortress Portney. For Experiments versus Experience.